Fresh up and Listen to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Base Rupert, and with me is Chris <laughs> Catenation Coyer. Hey, how whoa! Are you? <laughs> that was that good. Was really right? good. Mm. Those dear listeners were very dumb database jokes. <laughs> 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 Apparently, databases are cool again. We've been talking a lot about data here on this show because, as I've told you, Dave, I'm a back-end developer now. Oh, Switched, hey, switched over. good, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep mentioning that until it your, sticks. Your beard is a bit lower. It's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, it stops a, a little too high, though. I'm going to get yeah. it growing down here soon. It's good. Z- <laughs> Uh, uh, we have uh, some special guests to talk about another data product. Just last week, we were talking about we had the, the, the some guys on from Sanity who have a very different approach to data. This is going to be very different from that. I'd say the scale of it is a little going to be a little bit more planetary this week. Dave, who do we have, who do we have with us today? Uh, we have two special guests from Planet Scale. Uh, Yanni. Well, you're both Texas guys, right? Apparently. Yeah. yeah. H-Town mm-hmm. for me. Met in Austin, though. When I lived there, Austin, back there way back when. Seven, mm-hmm. ten years ago. And then yeah. uh, and then you brought along a, a buddy from your work, Mike. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Mike oh, Marsh. Best friends. Yanni and I have been uh, on the same team for, was it, four or five years now? Going on five. Going on five. We get attached. We're combo package. <laughs> yeah, you come together. Uh, set. Uh, yeah, well, we were talking before the show. You, you both have pretty deep, you know, maybe it's worth getting into before we like talk about plant scale. Um, but you kind of, you both have like pretty deep histories working at some big companies and stuff like that. So I don't know. Mike, do you want to walk through your y'all's journey together? <laughs> <laughs> I can start with me and I'll come to where we met up. Uh, yeah. So I've just been working on really cool Rails apps for a long time. I got good at Ruby and I just stuck to it. Uh, so I, I worked at Product Hunt, which was a Rails app with a cat. Is mascot. it really a Rails app? You never know. Yeah. I knew GitHub was, you know, yeah. famously. But yeah, okay. So Rails guy goes to major Rails installs in the, in the world. That's great. How does it, Product Hunt, an app like known for publicly shaming Rails apps, like, be a rails. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Never really thought wait, about that. Wait, does product hunt shame? No, rails? you know the community, the community, the community. The broader, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe they just don't know the back end is all rails. Hey, so originally the the UI was in Rails, and then we installed React when it was like still beta. Oh wow, wow. I know. That's- I got the pain and the gray hairs. I was going to say, that's a war story if I've ever heard one. Is that like, whenever you became a graybeard? Is whenever you started using React in beta, in beta moments? <laughs> Thankfully, seven years later, it's improved quite a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I can feel that. We still have a couple, like, some hilarious pages on CodePen where the front end is all React and the back end hits a Go server that's running a, a, a GraphQL thing. So it has nothing to do with Rails. The front end has nothing to do with Rails and the back end has nothing to do with Rails, except for Rails puts the little div there. And then, mm. you know, you know, so it's like it uses nothing, nothing of rails. And then but you're also yet. just like, well, it works. So let's not even waste time like undoing that. Yeah, right. There's the, the it hits the little routes file and it says, oh, I know what to do. I'll render this little ERB file that has nothing in it. Anyway, 
Uh, okay, so you're working doing Rails, and then you ended up at where? At GitHub or after Product Hunt? Yep, I joined GitHub to build this part of the site called Marketplace. Worked on that for maybe a year and a half, and then GitHub Actions was spinning up internally. It wasn't called Actions at the time, but they kind of just brought yeah a team together, and with a bunch of work, a couple years later, what came out is what everyone gets to use today. So Yohani and I yeah. built Actions together. We were on the same team. That's where yep. our, I think we experienced the, uh, hey, this is a small beta project into huge scale-up problems for the first time, really. It's got to be the biggest thing GitHub's done in five years, easily, right? I call it my magnum opus. And also, it's a fun fact, like the iteration that people are using today is like the third iteration of the product. Like I'd, like Mike joined at like iteration two or three, I think. I'd been there from like early, the backend got rewritten like three times <laughs> to what was like launched today. Lots of different like trial and error, but what we end up like landing on is what stuck. Lots of learning lessons. It was a good learning experience and figuring out how to build a product that people love and use. Lots of flights, lots of offsites and meetings, lots of whiteboards, but it was a good time. I believe it. And I would say it is freaking awesome now and has a long way to go. And I know neither of you are there now. Let's get to, to, to that. But like, my God, I hope whoever picked up the torch after, you know, people come and go from that. I'm sure it wasn't just only you two, right? But maybe you're very important to it. But whoever picked up your old jobs. It's a, probably a hundred person team, hundred plus at this point. Mm. It's oh, wow. crazy. Because when I first joined, it was like a 10 person team. It's just weird how like it's just expanded, but they're doing great things and the product keeps on getting better. Loving it. I feel like we personally pay one developer's salary in usage. Just, just <laughs> us. Uh, just <laughs> uh, but Smashka, Ian, your your path to GitHub was you, you were at a company that shall not be named Enterprise Software here. If you uh, can't even call them that in Austin. I worked at Digital Ocean for two and a half years in New York City. Funny enough, I started at DO as like a front-end developer and then like i don't know i'm full stack but you know digital ocean did some rail stuff here and there but then i joined the networking products team and that's where i learned how to write go so i was working on like you know cloud firewalls uh digital oceans virtual private cloud offering on the product side just doing like go a little bit of ruby here and there um because digital ocean also has a rails api and of course ember on the front end and i ended up at github because the vp of design at the time hit me up and he's like yeah, we're working on this like this cool new secret project. I think you'd be a good fit for it. And I had to sign an NDA and like go to the interview process. And like I was like, oh, actions look really dope. And I think it's gonna be a game changer for GitHub. And yeah, I took that leap of faith and ended up going to GitHub and helped launch actions. And like Mike said, scaling it up from like nothing to a lot of something was really fun. That's cool. And then how how many years one, two years later after actions comes out, you both jump ship. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up going to a uh, planet scale. Um, Cause funny enough, like our uh, skip skip level or at one point in time was uh, the CEO, Sam Lambert. And, you know, I really enjoyed working under him. And for some reason, that man is probably one of the most convincing people in the world. I don't know if it's the accent or if it's just like how he's good at selling things, but the vision caught me. And databases are one of those things that like, you know, we use at every single point of our life in our careers as engineers, right? And nobody's really innovated on it, right? Like things have been kind of stale, boring, not really pushing the needle forward. So I was like, okay, 
I didn't have an opportunity to build something like big here. You know, this this concept and like we use Vitesse at GitHub, right? So I've known some of the tooling that like we had built in-house to support like database migrations and all that. But like taking the opportunity to like productionize that and product buy it and like turn it into an actual product for other companies was pretty exciting. So I'm like, you know what? Let me take this leap of faith. If it doesn't work out, whatever, it's not the end of the world. But I've been having a fun time. And Mike joined a couple months after. Nice. Another poach. And then, uh, so Mike, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess legally we can't say that, but uh, yeah. Uh, so Mike, you joined. So Mike, what are you doing like then more rail stuff at, at Plant Scale? Is that kind of your domain? We, bo- we both do a lot of rail stuff. Yeah. Ihani downplayed it, but he's a big Ruby guy. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Pass himself off as a Go developer. I, I mean, I built the CLI in Go. Like, I've, like, me and Fatih pretty much built the entire CLI, and that's in Go. But I've done a lot. I was the first commit to the Rails code base, so I guess that counts for something. But yeah, I write a lot of Ruby. You know, it's fun. It's grown on me. And, like, I do, we're just all full stack engineers, and it's great being able to, like, do front end, back end, and then sometimes doing systems work as well. I dig it. So we know we. I think we got a good picture of you two. Although any any other stuff you want to add, don't let me cut you off. It's nice. It's nice to see what what developers' journeys are. But I am so interested in. So you're compelled to move to Planet Scale, especially from a string of otherwise great jobs. So there's obviously you know I know there was this persuasive fella that got you to go, but I'm sure you were persuaded by the product and what it's doing too, which I know little about. I mean, I know that it's a you know it's a database product, but like. But what? I mean, uh, you know, not that we want to make this whole thing a pitch, but pitch me, pitch me. What is it? I can share. I can share why I left, and then I think people will get it. The, okay. So the, the big thing for me was when we were at GitHub, we just had all of this incredible tooling, and people who have worked at sort of bigger companies understand this. And if you haven't, you sort of just haven't seen these things. These companies build these tools internally; they make things really easy easy to work together, handle these scaling problems, but the stuff doesn't really exist outside of these big companies. So the promise was, hey, we use Vitesse at GitHub, and I was familiar with it. It works really well to solve our scaling problems. And we are going to build a cloud database that is using Vitesse, and it's going to be perfect for serverless. So it's the combination of these things. Hey, this is this tech that I know and I really believe in, right? It's based on uh, very solid fundamentals. It's a SQL relational database, MySQL, Vitesse. Like this is stuff that's very mature and big companies rely on. And then at the same time, this is when serverless was happening, right? Like we want to use a database from Cloudflare workers. I don't know if people remember, but two years ago, that wasn't possible. And then this year it is. So we were able to you know, take these things that we had at GitHub and then just wrap tooling around it to make it really easy to use and then also use it for serverless, which I was excited about. I like, couldn't say no to it. That's interesting. So Vitesse, what was, I guess, bringing that, and you've said that a couple of times, like, what is it exactly? I see it's a MySQL compatible cloud, you know, but like, what, I, can you put it in uh, uh, idiot terms for me? Yeah. Uh, so Vitesse is a scaling layer for MySQL, and it was born at YouTube. So YouTube was using MySQL, and they oh, started to have... I, uh, yeah, you've well, heard of it? Small yeah. startup. Yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> small startup, yeah. Yeah, is at a small startup called YouTube, and they started having these scaling problems. 
and nothing existed really to handle YouTube scale. So they started adding tooling. The first thing they did was, okay, if we get a thousand queries asking for the comment section on a YouTube video at once, instead of hitting MySQL a thousand times, we will just hit it once, but then return the result a thousand times. So that's essentially a load balancer for MySQL. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept adding little tools. And eventually they got to the point where, okay, we're going to start sharding and spreading the data over multiple instances. Eventually, uh, the engineers who worked on this pushed really hard to have it open sourced. And then other companies started to jump in on it, like such as GitHub and Slack are now using this for their data. I thought maybe I just, I heard like for like scalability or whatever. And I didn't know if like, like some kind of like, Testing was kind of wrapped up into that, like load or whatever, you know. The the um, well, the thing with systems at this scale, it's difficult to test or set up a test environment that is similar to production, right? Yeah. Like we we've heard recently all of that, um, ex- all about Twitter's infrastructure, right? And they go, hey, we don't have a staging environment that matches production. Well, when you've worked at this scale, you just understand that it's not possible. Yeah, because you're running so much. Um, but yeah, people people will do uh, load testing at at smaller amounts. But really, a lot of like your best your best indicator of whether something works is in product, right? Because it would cost a billion dollars to shoot that many computers at my computer, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that I understand that that's like super extreme scale, but is I feel like there's a there's a medium one where it's a little bit more possible, isn't it? I mean, I know at at Codeben we have prod and then we have like a like a staging DB that that is a replica and it just gets written to it's a you know, it's I don't know, 5 minutes behind or something. And that's not totally out of the realm of possibility for us cost-wise to maintain them both, but Twitter's just too big to even do that. Yeah. 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 The, <laughs> the, yeah. The, uh, the, the, way, okay. <laughs> the way these companies uh, usually test, test like rolling out new features, right? So for a lot of us, we go, I deployed a staging and then I test it there. You, you can't do that. So at, at GitHub, everything would be around feature flags and you'd roll it out to a small percentage of people. So say I have this new feature, it's behind a feature flag, it goes to 1%. And then I'm monitoring those metrics to make sure it's okay. And then you slowly roll it out. So that's how you test in prod. Hmm. Yeah, it's all flags all the time. No wonder there's so many like startups that are that are just, we help you do feature flags. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's an article from the end, of, you know, or I guess fall of last year by James Reagan. Maybe you saw it, why you should really take a look at planet scale. And he mentions this Vitesse thing is interesting too. I wonder if I'll just read from it quick. He's talking about, how, you know, there's vertical scaling, which is the idea that you have this database interest and you just throw throw it on a bigger thing with more memory, more CPU. So there's that. And then there's horizontally scaling, like sharding, I guess, right? Like have multiple copies of it or something. You know, I can't talk about it um, particularly eloquently. But then he's like, is it just those two things? Is that our only options for scaling a database? And he says, quote, there's a particular technology that addresses this shortcoming for MySQL databases. I'm I'm talking about Vitesse, which powers many of the largest and most traffic sites on the web, like YouTube, Pinterest, Slack, and others. Vitesse is an early Go project that implements and manages horizontal sharding, improves quality performance, and eliminates 
connection memory overheads for MySQL database. And he says, you know, yeah, sounds great. Sign me up. There's just one catch. Vitesse can be complicated to implement in production, yada, yada, yada. Planet scale is powered by Vitesse under the hood. That's half of what it makes it so amazing, in my opinion. Cool, right? Good words from Mr. James. I like it. You know, it's something we like to hear. We want to take away the operational complexity, right? Like Vitesse can, like, you know, at GitHub, we did have a whole database team that would spin up Vitesse clusters for us and manage that in-house. But, you know, PlanetScale wants to bring the power of Vitesse to every single developer. Like, the ability to do, like, zero downtime, like migrations and, like, um, all of that to your schema, that is powered by Vitesse under the hood. But building on top of it and, like, being able to build a UI is kind of what is so great about PlanetScale, right? Vitesse is a powerful primitive. I think also we're trying to like break the mold with like further down the line as well. Like, for example, with like scaling, for example, what I'm most excited about that we've shipped recently is a plant scale boost, which allows you to like cache your like um, cache specific queries. Um, and it uses like V replication, another Vitesse primitive to keep the data up to date, the cache up to date. And you can have an instantaneous cache to reduce your response times like dramatically. And it's just amazing. So I think, like, you know, it's just funny. There's, like, so many things that databases can do to make the consumer's life easier or the user's life easier and more performant that I don't think people have really tried to explore. And, like, you know, there's a vision that we have at the company that's been, like, very exciting to be a part of as we keep on doing these um, innovations. And even our work with, like, Edge, right? Like, another cool thing I got to work on with a coworker or two coworkers of mine was a database, like, a database driver for serverless environments. And what ended up happening was that one of our engineers, um, Matt Robonote, built this um, gateway, this API gateway that accepts like, you know, a JSON payload and speaks like that um, protocol and then like can talk to a MySQL database and make the query and then return it back. So that way people can just use a fetch compa- anything that's fetch compatible in JavaScript and use that to mm-hmm. make database queries from every single serverless environment. Like we even have a demo of it at like f1.plantscale.com. And we show we built a proof of concept or a demo for every single serverless database provider. And it's just stuff like that, right? Like, and like there's no connection limits, right? Like there's theoretically can handle we see people handling thousands or tens of thousands of connections, and it's great. So let me see if I understand that. So the, what is the challenge of serverless is that a serverless meaning like a Lambda or whatever, like a cloud function, right? And that cloud function might connect to a database. But the point is, if if that's the thing that I use to connect to my database, maybe there's a thousand of them running at once because... Correct. And, and, and a thousand connections to a database might be a a problem. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Just, yeah. just like be that. like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. <laughs> so you've solved that somehow. Planet Scale is just straight up ready for that. Do it, do what you will. Pretty much. And like, you know, it's nice having a fetch compatible interface. So if you know SQL, you just have to make the like query calls as normal and it can speak a protocol that these Lambda environments or serverless environments understand. Wow, that's so cool. The 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 load balancing of connections is huge. I, I had this one terrible morning at Product Hunt where we were using uh, Heroku Postgres. And I think if you check their their sort of standard plans, the limit is 500 connections. And we had LinkedIn. Oh, no. Linkin Park, not LinkedIn. <laughs> Linkin Park, the band, on our website that day. And we were scaling up the servers. And then we just hit the max and went down. And it was just 
All bad. Incredibly embarrassing. Yes. Yeah, that hot new startup, Lincoln Park. <laughs> Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me what this F1 page does. I get is the is uh, why is why is this a demonstration of what I will put the link in the show notes here. It's it's literally F1 like the racing championship, right? It must be pulling data from something. So what's makes this interesting? Well, luckily we have somebody here that built it. Mike, take it away. <laughs> so that front end page, it's a simple Next.js app. And then if you see that drop down on the top right, that swaps out which serverless function the data is coming from. So you'll see, you know, Cloudflare, Vercel, et cetera. When you swap that out, it's just making a JSON request to that serverless function. That function is then entirely over HTTP, hitting your database and getting data back. And like the reason HTTP is important here is because these serverless environments don't support TCP, which is required for making sort of your standard long-lived database connection. Mm. That's what I meant whenever I meant like protocol, like a compatible protocol. My bad. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, that's cool. So you can literally on any like provider start hitting your like uh, planet scale DB. It's, yes, sir. But make it like kind of user-facing, right? I, I um so In a way that, yeah, you don't have to to worry about in a way i just was doing this dumb little side project which i feel like does i have questions about that too would i feel like there's a lot of enterprise stuff and like it's solving really big problems at planet scale is that who you want as a as a client or do you want me to start my little side project there too because then i'm like learning your technology and can scale it and stuff or is it like is it not for your side projects <laughs> no it's for your side projects Yo, is it, it is? Okay. for the people yeah and people meaning everybody um because like think about it right like i think a lot of these problems it's funny because i think i was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day it's like a lot of these things like these best practices like that i've had working as an engineer for however long now it's like a lot of the same thing translates to like my side projects too right Feature like making branches for features, merging it in, and even like doing the database migrations, like using deploy requests from Planet Scale in order to make my schema changes. It's pretty nice, and it's a good like nice workflow to make sure that you don't, you know, take down your database trying to apply a database migration on the app server booting, right? So mm-hmm. I think anybody can use it, and like you know, we get you get a lot of these nice features for free with Planet Scale as well. Like insights, for example, I want to be able to see how my database is like performing. I want to be able to see which queries are running slow and not have to like shell into a production console to like run explain queries on my own to debug things. Eventually, if it hits like a good like scale, I want to be able to use plant scale boost, you know? So like I think I would like plant scale is like important for developers to try out. And like, you know, developers are the one that really can help make these technology decisions for companies. Like, you know, once you get that like um hit of like using something and falling in love with it. Like I've seen that digital ocean. I've seen that like GitHub. It's like important for people. Like people love like bringing, like evangelizing technology that they love using. Like GitHub actions, a lot of people moved over from it, from other CI providers. That's because of its simplicity and the developers taking the effort to sh- show like the value of the product to their like, you know, leadership. So like, I think plant skills is like a great database to use. And also, it scales with your project, right? You may be little now, but the free tier is pretty generous. But whenever you do need to hit a like higher 
like, you know, maybe hit the scalar plan while at that point your side project's probably doing well and making money. So what's an extra $29 a month for a database, right? Yeah. Do you literally do nothing to scale it? Because you just, yeah, that's kind of great. Like it's just there, you you pay more money. <laughs> it, it's definitely, it's more complicated than doing nothing. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, I, I think the thing to know is, when most people think of their database, it's kind of that single box. Like I have a single box deployed somewhere. Maybe I added a replica, right? It sounded like you all add a replica. So you have two databases, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Three <laughs> pancakes sitting on top of each other. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone just thinks of like that icon. Of uh, a test cluster isn't like that. The The way to think of a test cluster is the, the simplest database that we deploy for people. It looks more like a load balancer, and then a database behind it, as well as replicas. And those replicas are spread across availability zones in a data center. So generally, like you'll be deployed to a single availability zone. If you lose one, you're in trouble, you're down. When you spread them across three, so this in the same data center, if one fails, the test can auto-fail over to another availability zone and you're still up and operating. So it's all those tools around resiliency that little startups like YouTube like to have. <laughs> yeah. Available, just available in the most basic thing. And then as you grow up, you can start sort of adding things like, hey, here's another load balancer, more replicas. Yeah, you're saying that's the, in, in the, the, the free database does that? The yeah, free, that's as basic, yep. So when that's US wild. West goes down... U.S. West 1 goes down, as it does every summer during fire season. Uh, <laughs> does it go, it'll just like switch me to U.S. East 2 or whatever, right? That's so, wild. Uh, well, so one thing to clarify is a, an availability zone is actually inside the same region. Oh, okay. Okay. So U.S. So US West 2 has multiple availability zones. So we'll keep you in the same region. Uh, but we do have replicas in other regions if you wanted to have a read replica in US East, for example. Yeah, talk about read-only regions, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so with PlanSkill, you can set up a read-only region in another region so you have a replica across the country. Whoa, okay. So they get their reads real fast. So if they're just consuming, they're getting it. Or even internationally, I assume. I don't know. Maybe that's stretching, but like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I think um, the folks over at Fly have a demo of using Plant Scale read-only regions with their um platform. But it's nice. Like in like the future, like um, getting that routing a little bit more automatically is like would be ideal. But there's a lot like going on. Like networking stuff is hard, and like you know, so far the person focusing on like the innovation of like the networking stuff has been like one person. But like, you know, I think he's going to get some help this year and like some exciting stuff is coming up for like uh, at the networking layer. So I'm excited for that. That's cool. Back to you, Mike. (laughs) 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 I'm glad the region stuff is in there because the name does imply to me that that there's multi-region stuff available or if not, you automatically get it or something. You know, I mean, obviously it implies scale, but it, it it seems like the edge stuff is like a big deal these days, right? Like I want, if I'm going to run a cloud function, it sure is neat if I'm in Melbourne and it hits a data center in Melbourne, isn't that cool? And then I know that there's an extremely difficult upscaling of that problem is, oh, I also want my database to be close to. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting stuff about the edge driver that I was talking about, um, the JavaScript driver that we have, is that 
the benefit of using that like a uh, HTTP protocol is that whenever you like, we have this um, this API gateway um, deployed to every single region that we serve databases in. Right, the first call to that database may be like the real time. It may be slower, but subsequent calls are cached. Right, so it reads the hot path of the connection. So therefore, you're getting faster speeds in the edge environments to the subsequent like in the subsequent calls. So that way it's like keeps a whole, it keeps every single region um, or every single API gateway in every region keeps a warm cache of connections to every single region, like our database uh, cluster that we have available over the world. So on the first one, it'll be slow, but after that, everything's faster. So you see like a really huge speed improvement after the fact as well. And that's not even including things like plant scale boost, right? It's also just like, um, so it's like, that's the benefit of like at least HTTP. You can get speed improvements that way. And like, you know, speed of light is all is always a problem, but hey, right. we, we can to mitigate that. Uh, <laughs> so it might be something like reducing, I don't know, 500 milliseconds to 50 or something in in a in a distant region or Ooh. whatever. You never want 500 millisecond database query. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah if you're doing that, something really is going wrong. <laughs> but I mean, uh, like the entirety of the cloud oh. function might actually yeah, yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could make it happen, guys. I, I'm pretty good. <laughs> then that's why I'd be like, yeah, you want to check your insights tab to see what's going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, but you, you slip that in, but that's a special feature of, of Planet Scale, right? That you, you get these dashboards that tell you stuff like that going on. Yep. Right? And then you can also like use it to like, you know, normally a way of debugging things is like, using an explain query and it tells you what's going on, what index like what indexes are or not being used, what fields could be indexable, right? I think the problem with a lot of these things like that people don't may not know is that um, you know, it's not necessarily taught that much anymore. And like I didn't learn about it until like my second job and like I took a whole database class in undergrad and they didn't teach me about explain queries. But then I like, you know, on the job, somebody's like, oh, check out this explain command. I'm just like, oh, this is sick, you know? But then <laughs> I have also no idea like, what you're talking about. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, being having it in the product and having the product do that for you, like your database do that for you, and also translating it to a UI that's easier to digest than this whole big table inside of your terminal is a nice experience, not gonna lie. And like, it's helpful for like the average like user to do, you know, or to use rather. And makes things very simple and clean for them to like understand. And that's what I really love. And like, I don't know, like I'm on a, like my last three jobs I said anything. I just love being at a company where we build products that make developers' lives easier. Like, you know, from Planet Scale to GitHub to DigitalOcean. Like, you know, I feel like database is kind of like the final frontier of things that haven't really been innovated on. It's just exciting to me. And I'm, I guess one of the days I'm waiting on is like email, but I feel like we're kind of in like, <laughs> good luck good luck the web has been pushed forward except for email but it's okay yeah <laughs> yeah what was that weird google thing we remember that when they tried to reinvent email wave google wave, wave, no, wave. wave i think yeah uh, yeah yeah Oh, so, so strange. Um, okay, uh, here, here's a here's a dumb one that i don't know the answer to is it postgres no it's mysql yep mysql okay interesting um is there any more to say there, or is that just a simple like answer? Like, Postgres a limitation, or is it like, or like, is MySQL that's part of the there's Vitesse differences package. about how? To, yeah, it's part of the Vitesse package one, and I think there's like between Postgres and MySQL, they do have um, operational like differences, like ways of like managing it. It's just funny because like um, 
that's kind of like it being MySQL was another reason why I kind of joined because I've actually never used Postgres on the job. I've always used MySQL at my last three jobs. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of like, uh, you know, like I see a trend here of databases at these really big companies. Not, not knocking Postgres, it's a great database. But yeah, I do like mm. that. Like I had some familiarity with the underlying technology that it was helping solve these problems with. It's not that different. That's fine. Uh, it's it's really yeah. It's really not that different. If you're an application developer, sometimes you know when you're you're building your app, there's there's things in one or the other that you sort of gravitate to and you like more. But in the end, it's kind of the same. Uh, but really, like like Ihani said, the main reason we use MySQL is because of the operational problems that have been solved in MySQL. Right? Like we've talked a lot about. Uh, replication and failover and backups, all that stuff that was important to you know YouTube. That's that's what we're that that's what really Vitesse is solving for us. And with MySQL, it makes it easier. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about database stuff, which is like what's got me kind of excited about this, I'm on a Postgres, so maybe I'm not uh, able to just hot swap right now. But like, you don't move your data. <laughs> so like, and then with data is like, you find out very late that you have problems, you know, like, oh, like there's too many people hitting this or, oh, there's like, you don't find that out till like later if you've never done it before. And it seems like having something like planet scale in place would be huge because I'm looking at your like screenshots, you know, it's like got like, you know, insights, but it's also got like just, you, I guess you're doing sharding and stuff like that, which is like a hard problem to kind of manage by yourself or, or whatever. Um, uh, it just seems like a little, that ounce of pre-planning might save you massive heartaches in five, 10 years or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, when, when you start with this, like a small database on the test, it's like, okay, there's no upper limit, right? Unless you're going to grow bigger than GitHub, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what's, I mean, like very generous plans right now. So uh, it's like, it's very They are. Plan. Five so, gigabytes of storage, one billion row read writes, 10 million row writes, one production branch, one development branch and support for free. I want to ask Woo. about branches. What What's branches? Is it like what I'm thinking of? Like, literal staging and is it yeah, environments it's get get branches so we allow you to branch your database you can say you have your main production branch you can say hey i want a new branch of this it branches off then you have an entirely new database with the same schema and then guess what you can just go mess around in there and it's safe you can you know change schema you can connect to it test it out and then very similar to your sort of GitHub flow that you're used to, you can then open what we call a deploy request from that branch back into production. And in that process, we will diff the two schemas very similar to Git. You'll see what has changed. And then you can use our tooling around safe schema migrations to make those changes in production. And if something goes wrong, let's say something happens, like, you know, um, you're just seeing errors. We can just, you know, there's a way that you can actually revert, like, back to the previous schema that you had um, instantaneously. And it also keeps track of, like, the changes that happened um, 
like, you know, did the new rows that were written. And when possible, it will actually revert back to that previous schema with zero data loss because I'll also have a track of that new data that was inserted into the database as well in case something goes wrong, similar to like undoing a pull request, right? Or reverting a pull request, rather. Yeah, this is a juicy one. I feel like we should talk about schema changes because pe- I don't think people know. Uh, bro, I've never, I was watching. I remember whenever me and Mike were like building this, I did like a lot of the UI stuff for it. And some, and I did the branching part. Mike did a lot of like the like pairing with the, our coworker Peaky on like the three. The, I'm like, are y'all writing a three-way merge in Ruby? <laughs> like, it's, it's nuts. Mike, talk more about that. Why don't you? Well, I, can we set the stage? Like, I like to use D- Dave's bookshelf as my favorite data thing to, to use. Uh, uh, he reads a book and he wants to publish it to his website with a review. So it needs a name, it needs a title, it needs a ISBN number, it needs a rating, maybe a URL to an image or something. But then Dave's like, you know what? I, you know, maybe I spelled ISBN. PN wrong. I don't even know if that's mm. a real thing. Or I don't know, I'm adding a new column or something. That's what you mean, right? Like, Let's say he's adding a new column. Yeah, like a volume column, right? Like, usually uh, people are like, okay, well, um, let me just go ahead and make this database migration. If it's a side project, like davesbookshelf.com or whatever, like, he's like, maybe he'll make a migration file, like, you know, the good old bundle exec Rails G migration. Add right. new yeah. volume I'm column. responsible. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Rails yeah, is yeah, a good yeah. job. Rails <laughs> helps with this quite a bit, right? They're, they're What's a great longer. is that, like, you know, you can like connect to the production box and add that new column or whatever, right? But if you were trying to do that to a production branch in Planet Scale, it would actually fail. It would say direct DDL is not allowed because you don't want to be able to run these things on a production branch, like create a new table, dropping a table. You know, we've I've been at a job, like everybody drops a database eventually. <laughs> like, you know, so we want to prevent that. <laughs> but instead, you know, what you can do in plan scale is say, like, you know, if you're using the, C- the CLI, you can do P scale branch create, I don't know, Dave's DB, um, name it add volume to database, right? And you can connect to that new branch in your database, right? Um, in your database and apply the migration there. And then you can like do some testing on it to make sure that works as expected. Maybe fit around the UI a little bit with it. And when you're ready, cut open a deploy request. If Chris is on the project in the database as well, he can give his approval. And then like you just click the deploy button and you'll see that database, that new column get added into your production database. The beauty of this is that like if you combine if you combine deploy requests with like your Git flow of like, you know, pull request and all that. Well, it allows you to be able to like, okay, let me make the schema change first and add this new like column, right? So you'll add this new column volume and you can have a pull request open at the same time. Like a lot of mistake that I think I've seen people do is like when they do the migration production, like whether it's on app boot, they try to merge the migration and the code at the same time. And then that introduces a race condition, right? But this gives you like deterministic like steps that are like very distinct. So you can like, add a new column. And then once you're done with that, you can like go back to your GitHub branch and like once the deploy is done, then you can merge in like, you know, the code, the new code that uses that new column. We always do this thing where we, where you do all the work in a branch, then you cherry pick the migration and deploy the cherry pick. (laughs) And then you do the rest of it, you know, but that's cool. I think that's like, I think that is a good way to do it. And that's how most people do it at GitHub. We sort of had a similar flow. The, I like, I think the one major difference is 
when you're so when you're making a schema change to a database, you're submitting DDL to the database. So that's data definition language. That's like your yeah. create alters, that kind of stuff. And yeah. when you get to a certain amount of data, a lot of those DDL statements, yeah. A lot of that DDL can cause a lock on the table. Mm. So I I remember um, back when I was first learning databases, I had to learn this long list of, okay, well, it's safe to do this, but it's not safe to do this because this could take down prod and I can't write to the table and there's all of this complexity. So there's, there's a lot of risk when using direct DDL against your table. And as you get more data, you can get into these situations where, say I'm just changing the data type for you know, a string, I want to make it longer. If you have a billion rows, it could take three hours to run. So mm. you now have that table is locked in broad for three hours. Almost nobody can do that. You don't even want to do that in your side project. In three yeah. hours. Yeah. 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 So the, the way companies solve this is with an online schema migration tool. And the way these work is instead of running DDL directly on your schema and on your production database, it will first make an exact copy of that table table. that you want to change. It then copies all of the data from your production table into this other table. We call this the ghost table, or some people say like a shadow table. So you have these two tables next to each other. They become fully synced. And then the tool will actually run that DDL against the ghost table. Once the change is done, we quickly swap them in production. So now Mm -hmm. you have all of your data with the schema change, no three-hour lock, your site's still up. That's that's the online schema migration tool that all these big companies use, and that's what we built into deploy requests. So that's what you're yep. getting when you're doing that. Wow. The, the, I mean, I, not to you want to sit around and talk about all your competitors and stuff, but that's what Amazon does too with their thing, right? It's the same exact... I, I don't know how we do it, but we do column migrations all the time with zero downtime, on, uh, which is whatever. But that's great. I mean, you need to have a story for that. It, you, you cannot pick a, a database tool and not have any plan for how you're going to do migrations. Well, or you, like, again, you don't know that on your $5 Bluehost. Like, yeah, you don't know. It's, it's doing good, but you don't know down the line. I, I can't just do that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And safely, too. Oh, sorry, I, you opened up the door to that. Uh, you know how I feel like Netlify and Vercel changed the front-end world in a way, in that, and it's all integrated into GitHub Actions, how you do a commit to your code, and at the end, you know, it runs some fancy action, runs the build on Netlify, and you get a URL to a freaking copy of the changes to your site and it's like what we never used yeah. to have that that was that's amazing that we can do that now but the limitation is yeah but you're still connecting to the same database probably and i love the idea that a, a commit to planet scale might have that opportunity to have this forked copy database. of your database yeah that's for crazy. your production bran- or for your like a Vercel branch or netlify preview branch theoretically yeah. your rails app could have that same vibe as a netlify deploy request or like it literally the 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 deploy preview with a altered database that's amazing i I, literally yesterday somebody was like oh does the does do i get my own database like can i have a pre-migrated database or whatever 
uh, for a deploy preview. And I was just and you're like, like, no, no, not yet. I mean, <laughs> for like $5 million, you could have, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but even just it, like, that's like deploy previews, even like, I, cause I, I worked on a rails app, a day trip a long time ago. And I think that honest to God, the day it died, well, it's still alive technically, I guess. But the day it died was the day like I was working on a new feature in a branch, you know, and I'm like migrating, adding tables, boom, boom, boom. Like, oh, it's getting epic. And then somebody's like, hey, can you fix this bug in production? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, because I had to like, whatever, like commit that, like roll back my database, you know, do a like DB rollback and then switch to my main branch, run the, make sure the DB was fine. And then I had to like fix it and push it back. And then I had to come back like roll forward, you know, or rerun the migration in that branch. And I just was like, this is too much and I'm not doing it again. You know, like (laughs) that was like the death of that. And it seems like this whole branch thing is pretty radical for like, you know, I'm just going to cut a new, uh, a future branch and we can just, I can just be on that. Right. Yep. Man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, databases are fun. Kind of like whatever our first was like a database. Like my friends are making fun of me. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's got to go build a database. Ha. What do you think this is? The 2000s? But I'm just like, okay, <laughs> y'all laugh at me now, but just wait, we're going to blow your mind. Databases can be fun. I think anything that may be boring like you know oh being a database administrator or whatever yada 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 i think the problem is just that there's not enough attention to like detail and like the user experience right like we've all been on the various cloud providers like um database like uh creation pages and like it's so confusing just to get started and that's kind of like a huge differentiator for like heroku and like heroku postgres is just like it was simple and clean to get up and running with the database right and like, you know, there's no reason why we can't have that for other databases in like 2023. Like we've come a long way in terms of like programming, technology and innovation. I think that we have so many good primitives, to like build a better database experience for everybody. Yeah, you seem pretty focused on the, you know, DX and and design and and all that in, in a way that is a differentiator, you know, right? Like you, you, I would say a lot of people that run databases, they run them on Amazon I would think, you know, so you probably have potential customers there to steal. And Amazon notoriously sucks at, <laughs> at DX and all that. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, I don't know. No, we have an import tool that people use for importing over from like Amazon, DigitalOcean, any MySQL compatible database over the plant scale. And that's also using the test primitives for zero downtime, like Whoop. switching over. It's, it's, just, it's just like wild how good the primitives are like within Vitesse. I don't even know everything that I can do. Like I read the like website, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm the product guy. I'll just hook up into it. I'll just read up more into it whenever I need to. But for now, it's just like, there's so many things like within it that we haven't even like gotten to build on top of that. I think that we're just scratching the surface and there's like a lot more room for improvement. So I'm excited about it. The future is bright. Yeah, it really is. It seems it seems like a like a big deal. I, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about like what other how it compares to other stuff. Is that cool to talk about? Like, yeah, sure. Like if I wanted, I, I recently needed a, a quick database in the sky and I chose Supabase because I'd never tried it before and they, they're Postgres based. And so I, I did that. I don't think they have the same kind of like 
scale situation and the same kind of stuff under the hood. But they they do other stuff, though. For example, they have a client that's like, I don't have to, I, I wrote zero SQL to use it mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, they had a UI where I said, oh, I want this column to be an integer and this column to be a date, you know, which was kind of neat. And then, and then, and then they gave me a, like a JavaScript client or whatever that was like, I didn't even have to write SQL there because they provided some ORME kind of tool to, is that just, do you have interest in providing those tools too, or you just think of yourself in a different Space, I or? think we see ourselves in a different space, right? Because that, um, like Superbase is great, and I think Superbase also just isn't just a database, right? They also are trying to do their own things with like lambdas, and also are trying to do their own things with, um, like you know, awesome. um, object storage, yeah, auth- authentication, like you know, object storage. So they got a lot of things I think are very good for like people that want to use Postgres and also get these other features, kind of like a la Firebase, like way back when. Um, I think the beauty of it is, though, like with PlantScale is that like we don't necessarily need to have a dedicated client, right? Like we have other client like Prisma works with PlantScale databases, for example, right? So like there's it's already compatible with other tools. We use it with like Active Record always like already in production because we run PlantScale on, on PlantScale, right? Mm. So, you know, like there's a whole bunch of slew of open source solutions that will work whip planet scale out of the box so if you're not opinionated you almost widen your the people that can use you because you can yeah Yeah, byo tools yeah yeah byoss or byooss (laughs) (laughs) the use the use yeah So what do we get? What's the what? Uh, how's the pitch coming so far? We got a generous free tier, easy to get started. It's got a cool CLI. It's got this branching thing, which I've never heard of anybody doing. That seems unique. We got cool uh, hats. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had a bomber jacket. Right? Yeah, yeah we bomber do. jacket. Uh, let's see. That's that's part of it. Um, it all factors in. Um, <laughs> but is yeah, is like I mean. You you kind of said it already, but like, like is this something I should I should grab like now? Is it like, um, or like should I kind of be in this situation of like I think this is going to go big, or or is it just like, nah, just pick it up today and go? Yeah, I I mean I don't see any reason not to start. And then hey, when Dave's bookstore blows up and takes over (laughs) takes over Amazon, going to take over Jeff's store, yeah. Yeah. We can we can shard your tables and you'll be all set. Yeah, well, See, yeah. you had me at shard your tables. Because <laughs> I kn- already know I don't want to do that. That's a uh, yeah, you know that's a yeah. Databases are so tricky because it's like don't go down. That's the one. That's the one thing you know. And uh, yep, and it seems like y'all solved that pretty well so maybe we should like look at one like like tooling it because i think that the show's history is more front-endy than back-endy so let's say i'm gonna say front-endy the database driver that's written in javascript yeah yeah there you nice go. yeah nice well I, I just see in your guide you have stuff for front-end people too i mean there's a Next.js you know guide right right in the documentation so let's say i was gonna pick that and i knew i need data so i'm gonna pick planet scale what's the you know the five minute, how, how, how do I do this? <laughs> what else do I need? Well, it depends, right? Like if you want to use Next.js and you're going to deploy to Vercel or like Netlify or something else, you mm-hmm. want to go to like uh, the github.com forward slash planet scale forward slash uh, database.js 
and read the instructions for getting started with the... Oh, you have um, a starter repo? Nice. Mm, it's actually the database driver, but there's also a link to an example project as well. The F1 example project is a good starting point for using the database driver. And it's pretty easy to get forward with. That way you can get started with like writing your queries and using your database and like getting started with the database. Or if you're not worried about the serverless aspect of it, you can just go ahead and start using Prisma and following Prisma's guide for Planet Scale and developing mm. using that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, you've, do you are you on Prisma? I use Prisma. It's friggin' awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just it's it's uh, what it's uh, GraphQL y It's but more JavaScript forward, you know. Uh, and it's just you can you just say, hey, I go to this column with this data, and then give me this, you know. Like, uh, I just it's awesome, and so and I'm like even like now like doing calculus in my brain, like. What what do I what am I using that's truly a Postgresy feature? And um, it's probably JSON table or columns or whatever. But um, yeah, just like yeah, what? my SQL, my SQL has those too. Uh-oh. Yeah, rip maybe. Maybe oh. <laughs> oh, got sucked in here. It's only purely on the like. I don't want it to go down. That's a that's the thing. Yeah, facts. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's yeah, it's all just interesting and and like. Because I'm using an ORM again, yormsrule.com um, is <laughs> is um, like I can switch. You know, like the the ORM is really just like, dude, I don't know wherever you're pointing me, I'll just go. You know, tell me tell me where to go. You know, um, yeah, and that's it's cool. But but it plays nicely with Prisma because Prisma does weird migrations. It does, uh, it it does like. Um, you know, shadow database sort of stuff. It, and like, it's all interacts. It's copacetic, I guess, to plan scale. It must play nice with all this. Yeah. If you're recommending yeah. Prisma, it must, huh? We have the, we have the shared Slack channel with their team. So we're, <laughs> nice. we're, we're, we're tight. Yes. We work together with them a lot to make it work well. No, it, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's such a, uh, to me, it feels like GraphQL without buying into all of GraphQL, you know, it is yeah. how I'd probably describe it. Sometimes. Right, because if I'm Dave's bookstore and I'm going to I'm going to use PlanetScale and I'm going to use Next.js, at some point I got to write something's got a query for the books. I either got to write select star from books or whatever, or I got to use something else to to handle that query. And your something else is is Prisma, probably, Dave. Oh yeah, I mean it's. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it five stars. I if I <laughs> the uh, if you've heard of the uh, boring dot technology is that the website or whatever? But it's like a yeah. innovation tokens. You know, I spent one of my Elon Musk innovation tokens on Prisma, and I zero <laughs> regrets about it. So <laughs> nice math. No, that's yeah, most deaf. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. All right. Well, thank y'all so much for coming on the show. This has been educational and uh, possibly expensive for me. So thank you. Um, (laughs) But before we go, uh, how can people uh, follow you and give you money? We'll start with Mike. Uh, Mike Kudermarsh on Twitter. I am MS and then four C's. And come visit us at planetscale.com. Awesome. And yeah, for me, um, I'm at Kuchu on Twitter. And yeah, check us out at plantscale.com. Always open to feedback and ideas. And yeah, thanks for watching. And are you still doing your uh, side hustle job board thing, Seeker? You know, I'm trying to rewrite it, but I hit 30 last year and like I am just like 
tired of computers after I finish working. So, you know, I'm trying to find new hobbies. But I am, I am. I'm relaunching that. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool. It's like a job board on demand. So check it out. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your park at your choice. Be sure to start our favorite episode so people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter if it still exists at shopdocshow.com. <laughs> <laughs> at <laughs> And then uh, join us over on the Discord, patreon.com slash shopdocshow. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? I heard it's the DB forum. That's going to be the first thing to go over there. Shopdocshow.com. 